0: Um, Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Holy God, help us as we read these scriptures together. Bring your understanding and reveal your truth. We long to be continually challenged, transformed, and renewed. May we focus on you and your holy word as we read and draw close to you. Amen. The scripture today is from Matthew Chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: So we've been looking at five focuses of a faith family. Now, uh, some of you might say, but I don't have any children in my home. Okay, faith family, right? Uh, We've talked about how uh, a lot of what we do as church is not necessarily just about the children that live in our home or did, or the grandchildren that live states away, uh, but it's also about the children who are around us in the pews, who are around our neighborhood, who are in our community. So five focuses of a faith family is really about what we do together to live out the idea around raising a generation in faith. We've talked about teach them intentionally on the first week, the second week we talked about know them personally, and today we talk about pray for them intensely. When I think about prayer, I think about the question, how did you learn to pray? Was it a parent who encouraged you to pray, now I lay me down to sleep as you were headed to bed? What um, was it, um, maybe like me, a, a grandparent, my grandfather, my, my mother's father, uh, regularly at the table, um, whether it was a 10 a.m. tea or two o'clock supper, um, they would pray, bless O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive from this thy bounty. Some of you know those words, they're ingrained on your heart because you've heard them so much. Um, I know for me, as I was growing up as the youngest kid in the family, uh, oftentimes the prayer that I would uh, pray when given the opportunity was um, um, God is great, God is good. Now we think, right? Yeah, yeah that one too, right? So we all have stories about prayer within our families. Um, My family, uh, my mother was um, a Southern Methodist from Jasper, Alabama, okay? Is that a, a fair description of that side of the family? My dad's side of the family is Italian Catholic from New Jersey. Do I need to tell you that there were two worlds colliding together, right? Um, My father had never had mayonnaise before meeting my mom. (laughs) My mom had never had marinara sauce before meeting my dad colliding together is an easy, simple way to say it. Mom was the youngest of um, a family of educators. Both my grand, uh, grandparents on her side of the family were uh, college, um, uh, college academics who taught in colleges and universities. Um, my grandmother uh, on my dad's side, um, his mother had uh, been divorced um, with six kids. Um, they moved into the projects um, just uh, on the edge of a, a Catholic um, uh, community uh, in Red Bank. Um, uh, uh, my, um, my grandmother, my, my dad's mom, uh, was the hardest working woman I ever knew. And she believed deeply in faith and worked hard to send all six of her children, my dad was the oldest, uh, to a Catholic uh, private school there in the center uh, of her community. Um, They lived um, about nine streets out from where the Catholic uh, school was. Um, And and for that Catholic school, if you were 10 streets out, they'd arrange for a bus to pick you up and take you to the school. But you have to remember, they lived in the projects only nine streets out. They they were one street short of being able to ride the bus. Now, in in a family with six, um, the youngest, um, Uncle Anthony, we refer to him as Uncle Ace, if you were looking for a black sheep of the family, you found him. Um, he was really street smart and, you know, conniving and practical and all of those things. And so he realized after the first day of school that he was too close to the school to catch the bus. And so he walked instead of nine streets to the school, he walked one street out, found a kid named Anthony, intimidated the heck out of him and rode the bus. When the nuns found out that he had intimidated a kid, stole a kid, kid's seat on the bus and ridden in for the week, he was told that he would have to say the blessing over the meal in the cafeteria for lunch. And so little Anthony Camerano. Uh, got up to the microphone, uh, the huge cafe if you could imagine it, with all the students there and all the nuns and the teachers. And he got up and there was a murmur across the crowd. Is that really Anthony? He's going to say the prayer? And everybody got quiet. My uncle grabbed the microphone and began probably a non-traditional, unconventional prayer of Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub! Yay, Jesus! <laughs> and the cafeteria applauded, uh, or uh, you know, exploded with applause. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that uh, whether it's my um, uh, single working uh, grandmother uh, who was waiting tables for six kids, uh, or whether it's you and me uh, coming to um, church this morning, that parents are overwhelmed. So when we talk about praying for children intensely, sometimes those prayers look really interesting, right? Sometimes we're so overwhelmed with what's going on. I remember some of the prayers in my family and some of the prayers I've said as we have driven onto the parking lot of the church. Dear Lord, please make them obey. That would have been my dad's prayer. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting how we pray. Um, Some of us pray, um, "Oh, Oh Lord, don't let them turn the lights on, don't let them turn the lights on, don't let them turn the lights on while you're driving with the DPS behind you. You thought I was going someplace else, didn't you? Some of us had prayed arrow prayers after a night of really poor choices, and you find yourself in a tiled room with a sink and a tub and a place to sit, oh Lord, I will never do this again, right, when we think about how we pray and where we pray, and how overwhelmed we are with all that's going on around us. I I don't know if you're like me, I've tried really hard to do the wonderful things that my parents did with me uh, when I was growing up. But see, the world's not the same. There's digital devices and the internet and there's texting and there's all of this stuff that was never a part of my childhood. And it seems like the ground underneath me shifts and changes regularly as I try to be the kind of parent that my parents were to me. I think uh, parents and families are overwhelmed I, I remembered about, uh, probably about 10 years ago, there was a, uh, a very popular, popular law. It was called the Baby Moses Law. And it was in response to folk who um, had, had had unplanned births and were leaving them in dumpsters or in the elements. And so the law was to say that you could go to a fire station, a police station, or a hospital, and you could leave that child, that infant, on the steps or with a caregiver and there would be no questions asked. The Baby Moses Law. Now, when Kansas wrote their law, um, they did not define specifically what a child was. And in the state law, a child is someone who's zero to 18 years of age. Yeah, I know, I mean, there's that little giggle, right? Within the first three weeks of the law, there were 10 teenagers that were left at area (laughs) hospitals. I mean, humorous, but then also evidence of how overwhelmed parents can be, right? It's hard work to be doing what we're doing. And so when we look at scripture, uh, we look at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We find that uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It is uh, an important part of teaching as um, Matthew is having Jesus talk about the Kingdom of God and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, I love the Lord's Prayer. Um, I love the Lord's Prayer particularly in Luke where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Now, I would love to have been a fly on the wall, to have heard the tone and inflection in the disciples' voices when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Was it an academic moment, Lord? Teach us how to pray like you do. Or was it more of the intonation that many of us have had as we've driven onto the church parking lot, Lord, please teach me to pray, right? What were they looking for in that moment? And what Jesus teaches them is a very um, straight, direct, in some ways formula prayer that is accessible to all of us and should be a part of the prayer of our own hearts. It's easy, it begins with um, who God is, It continues with uh, what God has done. And then it's asking for our needs. Give us our daily bread. Rescue us from the evil one. Uh, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Of course, we added that on later because we thought, why not edit Jesus's words? Um, (laughs) Sorry, that was not supposed to sell as well as a joke. I apologize. But what a straightforward, accessible prayer for all of us. I think what's powerful about the Lord's Prayer is not what it says, but what it assumes. For example, uh, the statement, give us the bread we need for today. What, what a great sentence. It is clearly a sentence. It is not a question. It is not, um, it is not whining. Why won't you feed me? I'm hungry. It's not demanding. You have so much, Lord. Why not give me a little more? But instead, it's a statement. The assumption in the Lord's Prayer is that I can't do it all on my own. Whether it's give me the the bread for today, or whether it's forgive me of my sins, or help me to forgive those who have done me wrong. The assumption isn't, oh my gosh, but instead, I need you. I think when we talk about praying for children intensely, that's a powerful message for us to embrace. We can try to do it all on our own, but what would it be like we invited God to help. When we look at um, both Scripture and then also um, uh, in the midst of the Lord's Prayer, um, as we also begin thinking about images and metaphors for uh, prayer and praying for things intensely, I would like to profoundly say that prayer is like an instant pot. I was hoping you'd laugh at that one, but okay. Um, Pur is like an Instant Pot. If you're not familiar with an Instant Pot, it is, a, it is a cool, trendy device that is a pressure cooker with like six other things that it does as well. And the <laughs> only thing I know how to do with it is to make it a pressure cooker. So if you know how to do the six other things or can even name the six other things, great, see me after uh, service. <laughs> and I still wanna say that I'm, probably my uh, sermons have never been referred to as pressure cooker sermons. If anything, they're probably slow burns, right? <laughs> you think about prayer is like an instapot. An instant pot, a a, a pressure cooker, uh, does two things, uses physics and science, which I hope my engineers will appreciate the work that I did to understand this. Um, A pressure cooker raises the boiling point of the water in the pot, okay? So instead of just cooking with boiling water at one temperature, you're now cooking with steam, You are partnering with steam. So the chicken that I want to roast and steam, it takes 30 minutes instead of an hour and a half. The hard-boiled egg that I want to make does not take 15 to 20 minutes. It takes four minutes. 10 minutes for soup. And I'll tell you right now, with an Instapot, I can make a mess far quicker than I ever could before. (laughs) It allows for things to happen quicker. The second thing that a a pressure cooker does is it raises the pressure, forcing liquid into the food. This allows you to get flavors and outcomes that you would have never known about. Caramelizes onions, uh, makes tough uh, meat uh, tenderized. Uh, It's amazing as the liquid is forced in, um, you get the opportunity to surround the food with what it needs to taste better. Prayer is like an instant, uh, instant pot because prayer allows us, in the same way that it raises the boiling point and invites steam to do the cooking, we're able to partner with the Holy Spirit so that we can guide our kids, right? This is powerful stuff. I find that the things I pray about are the things that I'm willing to admit I cannot do on my own. The things that I don't pray about, I probably need to pray about because if you and I really got honest with each other, we'd agree I can't do that either. And so by praying intensely for the children in our community, for the children in our pews, for the children either in our homes or our grandchildren who are states away, if we partner with the Holy Spirit, it's like cooking with steam and it makes a difference. Second, uh, when we pray intensely over our children, prayer surrounds our kids with grace. This is the forcing of liquid into the food. Uh, I like to say that prayer is caught, not taught. I mean, my grandfather didn't sit down and say, "Say these words, bless, O Lord, these are thy gifts from the from your." I still can't say it exactly at the moment, right? I, I didn't need a book on prayer. I needed to watch a life shaped by prayer. Prayer is caught, not always taught. I, I used to tell you all this regularly, um, that um, for the longest time, I would get up an hour and a half before Grace got up, and I would pray for an hour and a half, read scripture, and then Grace would get up. She was at school age, elementary. I'd scramble an egg, we'd split it, or you know, scramble two eggs, and we'd split it, and then I'd take her to school. And if all she saw was the scrambled egg, then 40, 50 years from now, when I went on to see Jesus, she would stand at my funeral and say that my father built his life on a scrambled egg. <laughs> but seriously, I needed to work hard to let her catch me praying for her. And so I flip flopped it. I made sure that, that my prayer time overlapped the time that she would get up and she'd come in and say, Daddy, what are you doing? She could catch me praying. You see, when we surround our kids with prayer, and it doesn't have to be loud prayers over them while they're paying attention. It can be silent, heartfelt prayers as they head off into the future. We are having that opportunity to let the water, the grace, the forgiveness, the love to get inside them. Prayer is caught, not taught. And lastly, I want to say that prayer is powerful for a variety of reasons. Recently, there was a study, um, um, there's a study released that talked about what moves people from being a stranger to being a friend of Jesus. Strangers to Jesus, they're, they're all out there, and it's great, we love them, um, but usually they are standoffish, they are uh, suspicious, a little bit paranoid, not really sure, right? They've heard enough about televangelists that they're not really sure, so they hold onto their wallet when they come to church, they're not, not sure what's going on. And the study looked at what moves people from being strangers to Jesus to just being open to being a friend of Jesus. You have family members like this. Think back to Thanksgiving, right? You know, you want them to move a little bit closer. And here's the thing, the catalyst that this study showed is that most people moved a step closer when somebody prayed for them and the prayer was answered. So this is as simple as you fill out a prayer card as a guest at a church. The pastors call you that week and say, how's grandma doing? I'll pray for grandma this next week as she goes for a surgery. Two weeks from now, call you back. How'd grandma do? She's doing great. Thanks for the prayer. There it is. What moves somebody as a stranger to Jesus to become a friend of Jesus, just a step, is prayer. Prayer is the most... um, upside down, illogical, backwards thing you could think about. Instead of getting out and doing something about the world, we're going to kneel and ask God to work with us. But you would agree with me that anything good that's happened in our lives, anything um, from Jesus that has blessed us has begun by prayer, maybe not ours, maybe it was grandmothers, maybe it was uh, our children praying for us, maybe it was our pastor But the good things that happen in our lives happen because God shows up in prayer. I want to invite you. uh, If prayer has not become a part of your life, I want to encourage you. Easy things like meal prayers can be a beginning. Uh, Praying at night can be wonderful. Um, I I remember the time and space where um, Amy had a blessing over grace um, every night. And it started with, may you know. Um, and and I'm not gonna say all of it because it's something special between um, Amy and Grace, Uh, but for a while there, when she was five, six, and seven, if Amy forgot, Grace would say, may you know, may you know. Pick your place and camp out. If you need some tools or some instruction, great, come and talk. We'd love to share with you about that. But remember, sometimes prayer is at its best when it is our heartfelt desire for the world to be the way God intended it to be. It's a powerful thing to pray intensely for the children around us. Whether they're in our homes or in our pews or in the school that backs up to our backyard, we can make a difference by praying intensely for them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.